0: Scripture this morning is taken from Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, found on page 979 of your pew Bible. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness
1: Not long after I um, arrived in Covington, I was, I believe, accosted would be the correct word. I was accosted by a young man in Walmart, and he said, Excuse me, sir, can I ask you a question? Are you saved? He was very nervous, he was shaking. It was an obvious, let's take the youth group to Walmart and tell them they got to witness the three people before we go home. And then he said, what really caught me, it's okay if you're not. (laughs) Now, what I wanted to do was respond how R.C. Sproul famously responded to the question, saved from what? What do we mean saved? But your your pastor, in a rare moment of grace, was nice to someone. And I just did tell him I'm trusting in Jesus go back to his youth director, and he did a good job, and um, it wouldn't be okay if I wasn't saved though, so let's get that part right, but anyway, we talk about salvation, and like so many religious words, I'm not sure we're really clear about what we mean um, when we say these sorts of things. Uh, So that another encounter with a young lady at a youth camp who came up in tears at the bonfire and said, I got saved three weeks ago and I don't know what that means. We talk about salvation as though it's very flippant. as something we can just count and say people have done this and it's happened. So if you're in the place of saying, what is salvation? Or even if you know what salvation is, maybe it's helpful for us to take A moment and look at this on a high level. You know, normally here we work through passages of Scripture and we unpack, um, you know, a few verses and kind of look at different things. But as we work our way through the whole armor of God, it's good for us to look at what do we mean by truth? What is the gospel? What do we mean by um, faith? And so yet another good opportunity for us to take a high A level view of what is salvation, and and maybe in a way you haven't thought of before. I'm going to start with the nature of who God is. God is Holy Trinity. We kind of confess that. We never really think about what that means, and if there's a practical level, isn't it just kind of a theological thing to say we agree with and then move on? But God is Holy Trinity. That means. God is one, and yet within this one Godhead are three persons who are each equally eternal, all-powerful, worthy of our worship, all the same in substance and glory and power. There's no um, difference in who is God, but there is a distinction of these persons. So the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, yet they are all equally powerful God, and eternal. One of the things this means is, from all eternity, being is communion. In other words, there is no existence without fellowship, without relationship. There's never been a moment of time that the Father and the Son have not been in connection with one another for they're both equal. And the very existence of who they are means they're in a relationship. And because of that, we don't just say God is a loving God, which would be true if there was one God who created us and then loved us. We don't just say God's a loving God. We say God is love. Because from all eternity, the Father and the Son have loved one another. And there's no existence apart from that love I get chill bumps thinking that the very core of all reality is a relationship of pure love. Isn't that wonderful? That there's this communion, this relationship of the Father and the Son and the Spirit loving with one another. So wonderful. And out of that love, it overflows to create a world that displays God's love and God's glory and God's grace. And at the crown of creation, he made us in His image. He made you and me in His very image, which means, among a lot of things, one thing it means is we were created to share in this eternal love. We were created to participate in this fellowship that is from all eternity, that we were made to be in connection with God, and because of that, with one another. This was who God is and who He made us to be, and that is who we are in our essence, is images of God meant to be in connection with this God. And yet, that communion is broken. That fellowship with God has been destroyed And because of that, that image of us has been marred, and our relationship with one another has also been distorted. And this is something that we're longing for, is to have this fellowship for which we were made. Your heart of hearts desires the one who made you to be in relationship and to share his love that is from all eternity. And throughout history, we have described our need for this relationship. Bono talked about that God-shaped hole. It's the same thing C.S. Lewis said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Blaise Pascal said, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which now all that remains is an empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there to help, he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object, in other words, by God himself. It's what St. Augustine said when he said, "'God has made us for himself.'" and our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. That's what the prophet Jeremiah said when he said, My people have exchanged their glorious God for worthless idols. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You see, that's that's what we do is we rebel against God. We know our hearts are longing for something, but we try to fill it with anything other than God. We try to fill it with pleasure and we think we have enough fun and life can be a wonderful experience and you can only do so much and realize it doesn't satisfy. We, we say if I get this degree, if I get this job, if I get this title, everything will be good and we get to that place and we realize it doesn't satisfy or we, we buy into the commercials that tell us if we have the right car and we have the right things and we have the right stuff and enough money then we will be at ease, and we will rest, and we find the more stuff we get, the more we worry. The more we have, the more we worry about losing it. We tell ourselves, if I just marry the right person, I will be satisfied, and life will be the happy ending. That's what all the movies say. The guy gets the girl at the end, and they live happily ever after, and we marry somebody, and she finds out it's me. <laughs> it doesn't satisfy. There, there's, the dreams aren't fulfilled. What are you chasing? What is it you've told yourself, if I just get this, I will have it all, I will be satisfied, and that hunger in me will silence. Some of you are still chasing it. I weep because I meet with people that I watch, wearying themselves, chasing the things they think will satisfy and they're excited, and they think this time it'll work. And I know it's not going to work because nothing is going to take the place of God. And you just wait for the hunger to hit. You wait for the reality hit, and you help pick up the pieces and pray that they see they need God. Or some people... The hunger gets so loud, and they've tried enough, and nothing fills it. So what they do is they just try to numb out the, the feeling of hunger. Let me just stay distracted. Let me just do enough to cover up that need, that, that ache in me that's longing for something else. And so let's just cover it up. Another glass, another event to just get my mind off things. Some have even gotten to the point of realizing it's not going to work and just decide there's nothing. And so they become cynical. They become bitter. You know the ones who they thought if they had this, it would be all the joy they needed. And when they don't get it, the world's to blame and they're bitter. And often it can be the rest of their life. They're miserable people spreading misery around. What is it you're chasing? What is it you've told yourself is going to take the place of God in your heart that you're longing for? We call this sin. I know you're thinking sin is doing bad things. Sin is breaking the rules. What sin is, is trying to make anything else God that isn't God. Sin is looking to anyone else other than God to be God, or anything else to satisfy what only God can satisfy. Sin is a breaking of that love. I mean, we use legal terms, and the Bible uses legal terms. It's appropriate for us to talk about breaking God's law, but God's law is only an expression of His love. Every bit of, of the law is based on loving God and loving your neighbor. If you love God, you're going to respect His name if you love your neighbor, you're going to be honest with them. And all of this is talking about how we love and how we're in connection, how we're in relationship. And it's broken because deep down we've broken the first commandment. We've made something else God. We've rejected God's love, and we seek to fill that emptiness, that cistern, with something else, We chase the illusions, we drink from empty cisterns, and don't think this is only outside the church, because we can often not only continue to see the the things that are in competition with God, wooing our hearts and calling us back to them. And very often, people can come to God as though He's not the ultimate thing that's going to fill that void, but we can often come to God as the big help that's going to help me get that thing that I want. So, I come and I pray, and God, if I pray, you will provide this relationship. God, if I come and I do what you want me to do, then you're going to reward me with this job or this, these things. So that rather than God being God, God just becomes another tool To get what is really God to us. And here's the thing, if being is communion, if existence is only existence in relationship, this isn't just something we add on to life. Sin is a matter of life and death. If existence means existence in the love of God, that means to be apart from God's love is to be in death. To be apart from his light is to be in darkness. To be away from his relationship that, that makes us part of his family is to be in outer darkness, is to be away from life and beauty and truth, is to choose ugliness and death and despair. And so we need rescue. That's what salvation is. Maybe we should kind of remind ourselves that salvation isn't primarily a spiritual term. Salvation means rescue. It's you know the Avengers breaking in and defeating the enemy. It's you're you're sick and you're given the medicine. It's you're thirsty and you're parched in the desert and someone gives you water. It's something that brings life and rescue to you. That's what salvation is. That we who have been broken and are trying to live on dust instead of living waters have been offered life. We've been offered rescue. We've been given salvation by one who went to the cross in his fullness and absorbed in himself all of our wrongdoings. Everything that breaks the relationship with God is now reconciled because he paid the price. And I can come back to the one that I have said I don't want and I can be received. We can be received as daughters and as sons and brought back into this. This is our salvation. It is Jesus standing before the people who have heard that they were, had forsaken living water and dug their own cisterns that were broken and hearing Jesus in the temple saying, if anyone thirsts. Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. If you're longing, if you're thirsty, if you're seeking, don't go to empty, broken cisterns. Come to the living water. Experience salvation, which is eternal life, which is acceptance and love that is overflowing. If there's an ache in your heart, there's an answer for it. He's put that hunger in there saying that he's the one who fills it. Come to him. I, um, when I think of application, when I think of the way we need to respond to this message, so often it, it can be a temptation to think, now go do this. Here's your application. Stop working for what doesn't satisfy. Here's your application. Rest in the one who gives you life. Drink from the one who is a fountain of living water. Look at your heart and see what is it in me that's reaching out for something other than God? Where am I wearying myself and making myself exhausted for something that will never satisfy me And come to the one who says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Here's how we respond to the gospel. We rest in him and in him alone. So I googled helmet, bullet, spear, warrior. I wanted a dramatic story to tell you to finish this off of how a helmet can rescue and save you. No dramatic stories. Lots of pictures of soldiers being presented with broken Kevlar. Lots of pictures of soldiers holding up a bent metal helmet. What I realized, there's no drama. If you have a helmet on, that bullet would, that would have been certain death is bent metal. That bullet that would have been the end of existence is cracked Kevlar do you see how secure your salvation is? There's no drama to it. You stand firm in knowing in this salvation I am secure. Nothing can take this from me. It is a promise that you rest in. You don't fret. You don't worry. You are secure. You are saved. Would you please stand, and this morning we will confess our beliefs through the words of the Heidelberg Catechism.